Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good morning, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty well. I'm uh, recovering the week after VBS, so yeah, a little, little physically tired, but um, how about you? I'm doing well. I similar for me. So we didn't have VBS last week, but we had uh, a youth missions trip last week. So definitely recovering from that as well. So I'm getting ready for our uh, kids camp next week. Ooh, yeah, you're a busy guy. Yeah, so it's got a lot going on. You know, it's strange for me. Uh, we're recording in the morning for the first time in like a long time. So uh, you know, usually we're recording in the afternoon, and I don't know about you, but I'm often getting like hungry for a snack uh, when we're recording the podcast in the afternoons. So how is that true for you? Yeah, often uh, in between episodes, I will I'll get a quick snack. Actually, it was just uh, munching on one myself. Yeah, I could hear that uh, before when we were discussing before. I could again kind of hear the, uh, you know, the foil of uh, some kind of snackage, some kind of munchies. Uh, now, what were you munching on today? Uh, I had a protein bar that I was munching on. Ben makes healthier choices than than I do, just so for the audience's record. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, so well, I want to kind of talk a little bit about the munchies and, and hope to talk about something that's uh, kind of related to that, that I think uh, we have not talked about, but I think is more important than we often realize. So, uh, Ben, I want to ask you uh, then, when do you uh, get the munchies the most? And when you do, what's your favorite kind of munchie snack? Uh, well, usually around 10 a.m., I kind of get that. Then kind of afternoon time, you said, you know, like 2 to 3, often we're we're doing it, recording in that time frame. And then around 9 p.m. at night, and uh, I don't know that I have a favorite. Though at night, I do like to enjoy cereal. I rarely eat cereal for breakfast anymore, but I like to have some cereal at night. So Now, a friend of mine told me that he's got to be careful about that because like having Cap'n Crunch or something in his house, he said, because eating cereal at that point is kind of like a gateway drug to, to worse things. So <laughs> also Cap'n Crunch is going to ruin the top of your mouth anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but if it's made with whole grains, it's okay. That's true. I'm just saying, I mean that the top of the, uh, the, the consistency of Cap'n Crunch is all messed up, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> It's like Butterfinger. I love the taste of Butterfingers, but uh, it's a miserable experience eating Butterfingers. Yeah, it is kind of a double-edged sword. Anywho, so we, uh, yeah, I get munchies as well. I don't exactly get them, you know, at 4.20 p.m. Uh, that some people might get the hint. But in the afternoon, I do crave a snack uh, often too much. For me, uh, you know, I think one of my favorite things to kind of snack on is popcorn. Unfortunately, there are some healthy popcorn options out there. Uh, and they can be you're good. Gonna get like a slap of meat. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, but like for for a kind of snackage, you want something either salty. I like salty snacks sometimes. So, 
Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, when, when people say, f- uh, that munchies, I've often associated, uh, specifically Funyuns with the munchies, but I, I don't get that. Cause I, I think they're kind of gross, uh, Funyuns though. How about you? Do you like Funyuns? Uh, they're okay. I mean, I seldom ever eat them. There's just something weird about them. So, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but the, ta- there's, it just tastes like they've gone bad even when they're fresh. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather have real onion rings. Anyway, well, often this term munchies, by the way, and I looked it up because I didn't want to cause controversy, but the word munchies is not inherently associated with marijuana, but it tends to be associated with marijuana. And really, our goal today is to talk more about marijuana than snackage. So I want to ask you, Ben, why is marijuana becoming more mainstream in our culture? Or is it? Uh, I would say it is. I've heard statistics even from several years ago that the first cigarette that a teenager would smoke is no longer a nicotine cigarette. It's a marijuana cigarette. Um, And so I think that is evidence that it is becoming more mainstream. As far as the causes, I think that's maybe a little bit more up for debate. I think this is a small part of it, but the legalization of it in various states, people will go on vacation to, to the states where you can recreationally use marijuana um, and have a big party. I don't think that's the biggest part of it, though. I think that's just more uh, evidence that it is becoming more mainstream. People are pushing for the legalization. Um, I think individual freedom and our love affair, our idolatrous love affair with individuality and individual freedom and you know libertarian kind of freedom just do whatever you want i think that's more behind it personally and uh yeah it works itself out in in this way Uh, you can express yourself and whatever else that comes with it Uh, what do you think yeah so uh i think there's a lot of things first kind of show how it has become mainstream for our listeners by the way uh one i kind of want to start with an example by the way uh, that might seem silly, but I think it, it has some significance. So I, I watch some dumb superhero shows sometimes. I, I'm ashamed to admit, but I do. And uh, there's a po- there's a popular, somewhat popular superhero show uh, that's kind of marketed towards younger audiences, often teens, uh, with uh, called uh, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, with blatantly with a constantly pot smoking character that where it's portrayed as you know uh, almost like cute uh, in a way that really I, I don't know that I. I would have been aware of a show on a major network that uh, you know has a constant pot smoking character without kind of looking down upon it, uh, you know, for that kind of age range ten years ago. Of course, you know you have the you have the rated R movies, but not something that's so overtly kind of geared more towards teens uh, and even young teens in a lot of ways. Uh, I think that's a one overt example of how it's become mainstream. But uh, more stats show show it even more overtly. Uh, actually, we I was reading some stats, and uh, presently, uh, some of the most recent stats say that 70% of Americans don't believe that smoking marijuana or consuming or using marijuana at all is immoral. It, m- most people 
about almost three quarters of people believe it's not a moral issue, which just really surprised me. Uh, and even among that, like often we think, you know, a certain branch of, you know, the, the hippies are those 70%. But half of conservatives think it should be uh, perfectly legalized. Uh, the half of those who, you know, even among those who identify as very conservative, will think that marijuana should be illegal in our country. Uh, and I think in a way that has been local to us, you know, we live uh, in a, a blue state, a liberal state, but in a very conservative county within that blue state, which makes often it very, very conservative when, you know, it's kind of reactionary to the state. And yeah. uh, right on Main Street of our the town that we live in, uh, there is a, a right next to, you know, a really nice cupcake place and, and one of the most popular grocery stores. There is a, a pot shop that does not hide that it's a pot shop. Uh, and, and that, I just don't know that's a thing that would have been, you know, a scene in, in our part in our area of the country 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, but I think some of this, it becoming more mainstream has been a right response to racism and marijuana enforcement. So I, I think that there has been some concerns that, you know, there has been, marijuana has been used widely, even in the past. And the part of why it's not becoming as stigmatized is because realizing racism sometimes in the policing of marijuana. But, you know, I, I, that's probably the best thing we could say about it. Uh, that, in fact, you mentioned that most first uh, cigarettes are marijuana cigarettes. Uh, but I also saw that uh, the right currently about is there's about as many uh, much money spent in America on cannabis as there is on tobacco, which is wild. Really? Yeah. So uh, now we've seen that, you know, marijuana use is a prominent issue. And by the way, it, it fascinates me that I don't know of a lot of Christian books right now that are on this topic or, you know, even a lot of podcasts like ours that tackle it, which really surprises me in light of the stats. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, because it, I mean, like you said, it just, there's anecdotal evidence plus others that, that show that it's just becoming normalized. Yeah. So, well, actually, what even interests me is that more Americans presently are okay with smoking marijuana than are in favor of gay marriage. Hmm. Which I would n never have thought that, so. Yeah. But now, is using cannabis actually sinful? Is smoking marijuana sinful? Well, yeah, that's how you define your terms there. Um I'd say the recreational smoking and use of marijuana is. Now, perhaps some medical uses and applications would not be. Okay. Um, and they are from, I mean, the little bit I know reading done, uh, they are different products as far as what the concentration of different things like that. And so um, there's a little bit different thing going on, different goal there, but we can get into the yeah. weeds of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in a minute, but uh, I would say, yeah, the, the recreational use of it, seeking a high like that, would I would say is sinful. Yeah, I, I would kind of broadly say intentionally clouding our minds and our judgment are also known as intoxication is, is always sinful when, you mm -hmm. know, it's not 
uh, we'll talk about me- medical situations later, as you mentioned. But uh, uh, and what is interesting with cannabis is that you know I've read some of the medical things on it, and and it's really not like a lot of things because four puffs. If we're talking about a marijuana cigarette, just four puffs of a marijuana cigarette is con- legally considered intoxication. So it's you know that it's pretty hard to divide the sinful use of it from the use of it. Period. Hmm. So. That's such, yeah, I mean, I've not had experience with that, but four puffs is it's not a lot. No, no. So, but uh, now, what does the Bible say about drug use and things like marijuana, Ben? Well, I mean, there's a general warning against the dangers of drunkenness, intoxication, and I think we could include drug use into that category. Um, I mean. Proverbs is wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Um, Proverbs 23, 29. Let me pull that up real quick. Um, it, it gives some description of that. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Complaining. Uh, who has redness of eye? It talks about the one who tarries over bowls of wine there's this overindulgence of it um and then it, it warns further of uh the the desensitizing effects that it has in ephesians 5 we're just outright prohibited from drunkenness uh, to not be uh, drunk with wine or to be filled with the spirit and then it goes on to explain what that looks like uh in first timothy paul gives instructions about it how overseers and deacons are to be not given to the abuse of, of wine, to be drunkards, uh, this kind of thing. And so there is a, a old and new covenant, a warning against the, the dangers of these kinds of things, uh, these foreign substances that would control our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, our words, and um, cause us to do damage to ourselves, to others, and, and how we relate to God. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, there are so many passages about drunkenness. I, I want to add just a couple uh, verses. And the first one actually is not literally about drunkenness, but I think it gets to why that kind of intoxication is such a biblical problem. Uh, and that's First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to des- devour. Uh, and I think this passage teaches very clearly that Christians need to always be clear-minded uh, because we are at war. You know, uh, you would not... Uh, uh, hopefully, unfortunately, it does happen. You wouldn't see, you know, a, a great soldier at war smoking a lot of marijuana in the middle of a battle. Uh, you know, they would be distracted from their mission. Uh, they wouldn't be able to be ready and alert. Uh, and I think that is why it is n- never okay for a Christian to l- to be anything other than sober-minded, to have their mind clouded by anything, to and to have kind of their alertness impaired. Uh, but and I'll, I'll add a verse from First Corinthians that shows how serious these kind of sins are, uh, as all sins are. First Corinthians 6.10 says, Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revivals, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And, and I don't think this means that somebody who smoked marijuana one time in college but loves the Lord now, you know, is going to hell. But uh, smoking marijuana on its own if that's the only sin that we ever did, just like gossip on its own, uh, that would be enough to cause us to spend eternity in hell. And that should be taken seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. You were talking about the, the battle stuff. I heard Mike Tyson say a few months back that he typically smokes weed after a fight, and then he also would smoke weed before a fight. Now, I didn't hear how long before what? the fight. Mike Tyson, the, the boxer? Yeah, I know who it is. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, and so... I, Maybe maybe it was good for him that he did smoke it before. Maybe he would have not just you know bitten a chunk out of somebody's ear. Maybe he would have killed somebody in the ring if he wouldn't have been a little more relaxed. I don't know, but yeah. but I mean it is a good illustration that we are in a spiritual battle uh, against an enemy who wants to destroy our soul, destroy our faith, and so being cloudy minded and uh, dull is not a good state to be in. It's better to do the NBA player thing and have peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches throughout the game. That's the whole thing that's been going on lately. I don't know if you're aware of that. No, I haven't heard about that. Yeah. They, they, NBA teams serve peanut butter and jelly sandwiches during the game now because of a uh, that a tradition. Uh, but I think the Boston Celtics, when they last won the NBA championship, were having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> anyway. So now how is and how is how is recreational drug use a theological issue? Well, I mean, we talked about over and over how everything is theological and you quoted first Corinthians earlier, just a little bit further past where you were. It says uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so it gets into, into issues of obedience and disobedience and recreational use of marijuana the purpose is seeking that high just like you're seeking that buzz from alcohol use and or outright drunkenness and so it's seeking an escape from the reality that that god has put you in and it's freeing your uh, inhibitions in a way but likely it's going to actually inhibit you from loving and obeying God and loving others as you should. So living a truly human life, um, God has not made us to, to live in that some altered reality. Uh, this is the reality that we've been put in, and so we need to uh, learn how to, to deal with that in, in the ways that he's given us, um, the, the normal means of grace. And, you know, I don't think you're, hopefully you won't see a spiritual discipline book on, you know, prayer and take of the word, uh, <laughs> you know, marijuana use or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, they're, they're actually, uh, I think it was Timothy Leary back in the sixties. Uh, he and some others, I think promoted this u- drug use for these spiritual purposes. And I think it's probably a long history of that. And so this altered reality and enhanced awareness of things. Um, and so people do connect it to spirituality just in a different way. Yeah. So, but, uh, by the way, I, I will add, you know, I know that there are some, you know, that, uh, some that advocate basically that you know, marijuana doesn't have this kind of effect of, uh, messing with your judgment. But, uh, I, I think that, it is very avert, uh, obvious that it does, and the fact that every single country and every single state that allows marijuana use does not allow you to use a significant amount of marijuana and get behind the wheel. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so that's obviously worth bringing up. Uh, but, you know, in terms of theology, I'll also say, uh, I think it brings up the question, is life for our enjoyment or is it for God's glory? Uh, because if life is for our enjoyment, whatever, it doesn't hurt somebody else, I guess, unless you're behind a wheel. Uh, but if life is for God's glory, I think that says something very different. Uh, and now I, I want to uh, give some context to this, though, because somebody might, you know, question, well, you know, uh, we, we can go to movies. I go to movies. I, you know, play video games sometimes. I, you know, that 
that I do things that I enjoy. Uh, and that's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think this is the same because, you know, if, if I'm going to a movie and I'm having a discussion with somebody uh, that and it leads a discussion about the gospel, kind of an imperative one, I have the ability to kind of walk out of that and, have, and uh, go further in that discussion or stop that in the moment. But if I am impaired from alcohol or if I'm impaired from marijuana, I basically disabled myself from being able to, uh, you know, engage in that kind of spiritual warfare and, and the, be an ambassador of Christ in those moments. Uh, and I think that's an important thing to note. Yeah, that's a good point. But And lastly, I'll just add, you know, I, I think this brings in that our mind is essential in, in sanctification, or that our minds are you rightfully using an unclouded mind as part of how we grow in Christ. And I mean, we, whether that be in Bible study, whether that be in apologetics or whatever, uh, and disabling the full, full greater function of our mind is not a great idea in sanctification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's um, where I think it's in First Peter, maybe it's Second Peter one, but he talks about girding your mind for action. And so you, you mentioned Peter earlier yeah, about being sober minded, and so just that's that same idea that it's it's yeah. not we're not just thinking creatures; we're also loving and desiring creatures. But our mind is important. Paul told us to be renewed uh, in the spirit of our mind. Well. We had a podcast episode on alcohol, and we both concluded that it's not sinful to have alcohol in moderation. But, so I want to ask then, is smoking marijuana really any different than alcohol in moderation, Ben? I, that's a good question, and you may get into fine lines of things. I think one thing you got to consider, that there are issues of legality at play. And so whether you come down in a different spot or not, if your state says that it's illegal to smoke it recreationally, to obey Caesar in that case is not doing any harm to you. And so it's not like the, the government's calling you to deny Christ or kill babies or something like that. And so uh, I think I read earlier that there's like 36 states that allow some form of recreational use and the majority of the – or so some form of just – marijuana use in general, but the majority of those are just for medicinal purposes. So there's a handful of states that allow recreational use. Um, and so you've got that at play. So I mean, if you're doing it and your state says it's illegal, then I mean, you are sinning. And so your state, pro you know, I don't, no states uh, are still engaged in prohibition. But I think also you raised this issue earlier about the four puffs. Now, I did not know that. And that's, you, it's not like this industry is super well regulated or especially if you're buying it off the street. Um, you don't know what the concentration of the THC levels are in there, which gives you the high. And so, I mean, are you just going to take, you know, three puffs and then put it out and save it for later? Uh, I mean, that's just not realistic, no. I don't think. And so, um, th there's that issue at play as well, whereas you can pour a, a a smaller amount of alcohol or whatever it is you're going to do. Um, and it is a little bit, it tells you the, the alcohol content. And uh, so I think those are some of the things that play that make it a, a different kind of experience. But what would you say? Yeah. So, 
I, I would agree with you, you know, and, and I'll add that, you know, I'm really not aware of people who take marijuana without the intentions of getting high. You know, I, I don't think that it's really a thing that, you know, a group of people go and just smoke marijuana and somebody uh, just has a, a has a hard rule that they only do three puffs. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe you just don't you don't inhale. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the president. Yeah, but, uh, and yeah, I, I don't think that's really a thing. I don't think people, I, I think the the reason that brings people to do it is fundamentally for that effect. Cause, and that's why I would strongly distinguish it from, you know, you have like, you know, you look at alcohol, moderation alcohol use, you know. I mean, you can get a $400 bottle of scotch, and nobody who buys a $400 bottle of scotch is going to get drunk off of that. You know, you, you slowly drink and appreciate it, or, you know, lots of people routinely, that there are lots of Christians that will drink alcohol in moderation and never, ever get drunk. Uh, but uh, I think maybe if we're comparing it to alcohol, it's kind of closer to, uh, you know, I remember I used to get drunk a lot in high school and, uh, we get a lot of people, kind of the party culture you get, uh, there's a lot of people that will buy kind of the cheap bottom shelf vodka and take it with a kind of candy level of sweetness to get it down and get the effect. So they're not, you know, the cheap vodka, nobody buys cause they're enjoying it. I'm sure that there's an extreme rarity where it does, but not really, uh, you know, we when you think of cheap vodka, you think of people getting drunk. I mean, even uh, an example of it was I remember a lot of people in high, my high school, we, we would do, take something called a screwdriver. And, uh, you know, which was uh, you'd basically take cheap vodka and you have enough orange juice to make it palatable uh, with it. And now I do know of a person that does drink these without getting drunk, but I never met that prior to re- relatively recently. Uh, but I think that's kind of what people are going for with marijuana. It's not going for something that, you know, you're not uh, having long, having one puff and having a long discussions over the intricacy and the age statements involved in that teal and that uh you know marijuana <laughs> or uh, yes the deep things of life that's a good point <laughs> so now can marijuana use ever be morally acceptable i would say yes when, when you broaden out not, not just the recreational use but that there could be medical uses again which is a, a different product and uh different levels of the how the cannabis dolls or whatever it's called that are inside it yeah I mean, so, would you agree yeah i would agree and i i definitely think in certain medical situations and i would never tell people how to vote even on medical marijuana rules but i i'm not i'm sure that marijuana you know, medical marijuana is less intoxicating than uh than you know extreme pain if somebody's dying of stage four cancer and the pain is you know in their brain for example and it's so severe they can't think straight uh you know or they're given the option of vicodin I am sure Vicodin is going to make them more intoxicated than marijuana is going to. So, you know, I think in those cases, I, I think we need to have some understanding uh, of that the mind is already clouded and the pain is already overcoming as it is. So, 
but yeah, I, you know, I definitely think some uses of the plant, but without THC are cool. I mean, the Bible is very clear that God, you know, God created everything to be used uh, for his glory and our enjoyment. It's just a matter of finding the right purpose of it. Not everything is the purpose of it is smoking it. <laughs> yeah, I've wondered that before when back in history somebody said, hey, let's get these leaves and put this stuff together and then let's let's smoke it. I mean, I just, you know, first had that idea. Um, but plenty of people have smoked plenty of things. Uh, and I've known a, a guy who has HIV and he was prescribed a marijuana pill. Now, I do think it, he told me at some points he also uh, had some recreational marijuana as well. Uh, and I've got a friend who's a doctor who uh, treats a lot of HIV patients as well. And he's talked about that, some of the prescription stuff. Um, and so th that is a different category than just, you know, sitting out on your back porch and passing a joint around. Yeah. So uh, another thing related to marijuana, you know, it's the same plant, though. Uh, I want to ask, is there anything wrong with using CBD as that's become popular recently? I'll say I don't know a ton about it. If you're using CBD oil, um, from what I've read, it's not psychoactive. And so actually one time I did, um, my brother had some sort of topical ointment that was supposed to help with muscle stuff, some kind of cream. And so I put a little bit on my shoulder and I, maybe it helped. I don't know. I, I didn't suddenly go get a bag of Doritos or brownies or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it is functioning different than THC, which is what gives you the high. And so I would say in, in that case, I, I think it's okay. What about you? Yeah, it, it's definitely, I mean, it's not even really the same part of the cannabis plant. I mean, it's chemically different, as you mentioned. So, uh, but uh, reject, to me, rejecting CBD because of marijuana use. And there are, there are questions I know that do reject CBD. Is it, It's kind of like rejecting uh, using corn syrup because people use corn to make bourbon. And uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some people are think that corn syrup is you know the one of the most unimaginable evils we have. But, oh, I'm sure. Uh, so, and but, I was I was told that the Christian bookie distributors they had to stop going by CBD <laughs> because I there was too. some confusion. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and personally, I don't see the scientific research to justify myself using it, but this is definitely, to me, a matter, a CBD is a matter of Christian conscience. There's nothing, you know, uh, it, it would be wrong for either of us to sell us, you cannot use it, or you should use it, uh, but right. it's not the same as, as traditional marijuana. Right. Why is marijuana use so common among adolescents? Well, earlier I mentioned about how individual freedom plays into, I think, the normalization of it. Again, I don't think that's the only thing, but I think that is an element. We're a culture that worships individual freedom. And so this is a way that we can do that. And I think there's an implicit acknowledgement that it's still a little bit edgy. Um, you know, everybody or most people eat you know, hamburgers or pizza, and it's not like teenagers get off and like, oh, we're going to go eat pizza and hamburgers together, and it's going to be so cool. Uh, but there is this acknowledgement that it's a little bit edgy, and they wouldn't do it in most cases with their mom or dad present or their pastor. And so it's sort of a, hey, we can do this forbidden thing. And, uh, you know, it, it seems cool. Because it, it, I think there's an acknowledgement as well that it's in the category of something like alcohol. And we've talked about this before how alcohol use is very high 
with with young people and you've got not as much wisdom, poor decision making, risk taking, this kind of stuff. And so I think it all plays in. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's good. So uh, I wouldn't add much other than, you know, uh, a lot of the use presently in marijuana is not directly smoking it. Uh, a lot of the expansion of it has been in the form of like gummies and brownies and cookies. And these, uh, like you know, the gummies that are like one of the most popular, uh, they're not exactly something that's targeted towards the AARP crowd. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean you look at the marketing, it's not... Uh, the it's not it's not something that uh, you you would associate with getting at Walgreens. Let's just say. Yeah. Now, why is a theology that says with this issue? I think that there really is more at play than just kind of the freedom and intoxication. But why is kind of a theology that says it's okay if it doesn't hurt somebody really a bigger deal than just marijuana use on its own? Well, you said earlier that life isn't just about our pleasure, but it's about glorifying God. Now, I think the, the folks that drafted the Westminster Standards, uh, they were right that the chief end of man is to glorify God. And maybe John Piper got it right by twisting or uh, by tweaking it a little bit by enjoying him forever. But it's not just about however we think we can find pleasure. And that's what we did at the fall. We, we ran from God, and we're going to decide for ourselves what is right and what is wrong, what's useful, what's not, what's uh, good, evil, all that. And so in our fallenness, we are trying to be the arbiters of these things, and we don't have, we don't have the right to do that. And this kind of a mentality, this kind of theology that will affect how we act, it's going to seep into other areas of life really quickly. And one of the uh, – probably the one that comes to mind first is sexuality. So pornography use. I mean, who's that hurting? It's just me and I'm just watching this stuff. Or two or three or how many ever consenting people? As long as they're consenting, I mean, what, who is it harming? But we're going to ultimately actually damage ourselves. We're going to damage others. We're going to dishonor God as we live like that, as we're trying to to be the arbiters of how we should live and we're we're not living according to God's design. Yeah, that's good. So, and, and it, it it's a false advertisement too. I mean, what we do shapes us, and it shapes how we relate to God and to other people. And so, this is just one example. It's not that you know marijuana use is the chief of all sins, but what we do will affect us. It will shape us and form us, and then affect. It will end up affecting others. Yeah. Well, I think this question is really the heart of the issue, and there's a reason why some of the sins that have become more popularized are not sins like, you know, murdering uh, that murdering people that you left-handed people, for example. Uh, we've popularized sins uh, that result from an attitude that you know, basically, our ethic often on morality is the Hippocratic oath, you know, first do no harm. And so, you know, if something does not harm somebody, as far as we can see, we it can't possibly be wrong. But that is far from the biblical worldview, uh, that we are called to do far more than that. Uh, and I think this kind of attitude has led to an embrace of a lot of sins. But ultimately, we can know that God knows what is good long term in ways that we don't. You know, it. If God says it's wrong, I mean, it is bad for us, and it's bad for society, it's bad for others. Even if we don't understand, even if we're like, you know, I don't see it, uh, we have to humbly accept that God's, that God's wisdom is greater than ours. Yeah. 
Now, how can parent warn uh, their kids about the dangers of marijuana and other drugs? I, I assume this means, you know, ha- having them watch the old, like, 1950s mo- uh, movie Reefer Madness. <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> it, it was a thing. Uh, that sounds like a good start. Um, I mean, I would say, one, I'm only half joking when I say this, but don't use it yourself. I mean, I've heard of that where, you know, parents are using it like, oh, no, don't do this. Uh, And it's similar to parents getting sloshed and then, you know, telling their kids, oh, don't do this yet. I mean, that's just going to breed resentment because the kid's thinking, oh, you're holding back something good for me. So obviously don't use it yourself. Uh, But also don't make it seem like it's the worst thing imaginable. Um, I think sometimes, and depending on the dynamics of your relationship, if you make it seem like just so, so forbidden, that can entice the desire. Now, that doesn't mean you don't set standards. Uh, but I think, you know, you and I grew up, and probably me more so than you, but with the way sex was treated in uh, youth groups and youth ministry and just how it was targeted, uh, you know, the what was that true love weights and some of those kinds of things um making it seem like the forbidden fruit and all of that now it's it's different because sex is a gift from god that that we it is to be enjoyed within the right boundaries um marijuana is a little different but uh, we also i think you want to help them see what scripture warns of with these these substances that can control us i mean i had now, it was different because it was my son. He's only four. But last night, we're, I mean, we are a downtown church. And so we have all kinds of folks that might be walking by as we're leaving. And I often park out on the, the main street there because our offices are right there. Um, and so, you know, people will come by. And there was a guy that came up to me last night. And I, was, I had my arms full of stuff. And he was starting to approach me and someone had given us a TV. It wasn't, you know, super big. I was carrying it. Um, and my son was kind of following along. I was like, all right, bud, get in the car. And then he's staring at this man who's coming at us and looked, something was off. And I was like, please get in the car. And he's still staring. I was like, son, get in the car. And the guy comes up to me and I've interacted with him before. And I think he's got some, um, mental health issues, but he told me, kind of was slurred speech he was talking about the people that down at the corner who were selling drugs all over town and as he's telling me this he's having trouble standing still and he had a cup of of something i couldn't really tell and i could it didn't have a scent so i don't think it was alcohol but i mean his his cup was routinely spilling out and um you know my guess is he had already had something to drink and uh, too much of it, and so then he's you know stumbling away. Yeah. Now, if it would have been one of my older kids, I could have pointed out, um, you know what what was going on there. And my son did ask something about it, and uh, I told him I think he had had too much alcohol to drink, and he said, "But alcohol's bad for you," and which obviously in, in excess it is. And I told him, well, that doesn't mean some people won't do it. And I could have gone further with uh, one of my, my older children, but uh, helping them, I think sometimes you just have this parable lived out. And, and I've had other opportunities with my kids like that where they can see like, oh yeah, that kind of stuff kind of makes you look like a fool. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I, I think you brought up a lot of really good stuff, especially in teaching those intoxication passages. Uh, but I, I would add, you know, 
one, I mean, we've talked about setting an example of being important. And I think one thing beyond just not smoking marijuana yourself, just uh, making sure to practice avoiding intoxication and other things. Because, I mean, it's going to be hard, you know, when they see that you have little self-control with prescription medication or if you have little self-control with alcohol, uh, it's going to be hard to argue with them that self-control is important with marijuana. Uh, and uh, I think we should inform them how powerful it is. I mean, and, and don't do the cons- you know don't do the thing where you know during um, the temperance movement prohibition, people were you know exaggerating you know saying you know you drink one uh, cup of alcohol you're going to end up you know the uh, that you're going to end up bankrupt and uh, and dead on the side of a highway or whatever. But but legitimately, right. like it is like. It, it is a scientific truth, the reality that how easy it is to get high and things like that, uh, you know, about how uh, the mind is distracted, about how it impairs the judgment and ability to kind of focus and driving and things like that. Again, it probably, well, science does seem to show that it, that somebody being high on marijuana is not as dangerous as somebody being behind an 18-wheeler, you know, when they've just downed an entire thing of, you know, of whiskey or whatever. But nonetheless, <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's nothing. Uh, and, and lastly, I'll say, teach them to always be ready to serve King Jesus uh, and how, you know, that's one of the reasons why we should never be intoxicated because we always need to be prepared and ready to serve in whatever way possible, what, whether Jesus gives us an evangelistic opportunity or even an opportunity to lift up a downcast brother or sister in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a great other lane to be thinking of, not just how it affects your personal morality. Yeah. How should parents respond if their teen is using marijuana? That uh, should they buy them the extra large bag of Funyuns, Ben? I think that they should cut back on snack food purchases as a way of punishing them, so they can experience <laughs> the hunger pains. Um, I mean, I think you want to address it and to rebuke it, but also don't act like that they've engineered the Holocaust or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's wrong. It's, it's not something you want to, to tolerate. But at the same time, there have some level of graciousness. Try to ask it questions to see what has interested them toward this, pushed them toward this. Um, like you want to establish consequences and then help them to see that they have to uh, rebuild trust with you. This is a way, I mean, because, I mean, chances are, unless the, unless there's something off, I mean, your child's going to know, your teenager's going to know that they shouldn't have done it. And so talk about tr- the importance of trust with you and that they're going to have to rebuild that, that trust. Yeah, so... Uh, I I think those are some really good principles. I I would add, you know, don't be surprised that they're sinners. Our kids are sinners. Uh, and, uh, you know, they if they're not sinning in that area, they're sinning in other areas. Uh, but we mm-hmm. definitely do need to help them fight this. And some of the ways we can do that actually would be definitely keeping them from opportunities where they can do this, even if you're seen as kind of the overly strict parent in doing so. I mean, my guess is that any listener here that has kids smoking marijuana, I mean, they're not growing it somewhere in the backyard. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, they're probably getting it from there. And I think part of our shepherding responsibility is to is to isolate them from those kind of uh, opportunities to get it. 
uh, as much as we can. You know, we're not perfect. We're not God. Uh, but a last thing I would add to this that might seem weird, uh, but I think is deeply relevant, is teach our kids how to process and respond to the fear of man, which Ben has kind of alluded to a little bit. But uh, when we've talked about another podcast, because I suspect uh, a very large portion of uh, marijuana use among our kids is going to be not because, you know, they're just always craving that high, but because they're trying to be accepted and approved by their friends and, and look cool rather than always just because they want to do it. And I think we need to teach them how to respond to that kind of thing. I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, it's not that they're just craving the reefer. Um, and fear of man can be even more pronounced in those years when you're younger. Now, should next generation ministries ever teach about this? And if so, how? I mean, should we have like a, you know, how they used to have book burnings? Should we have bong burnings? <laughs> so that probably wouldn't be the way to go. Um, but I do think there is a place to teach about it. And again, as it's becoming more mainstream and fewer people, even conservatives going, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Um, and so, I mean, maybe one venue would be to have a parent-child talk seminar about it, Q&A, and just address it head on. Um, I think, too, just through natural application as you teach through portions of Scripture, uh, because there are places where these principles are applicable. And not that someone has to do this. I have found it helpful personally, but uh, Mark Dever um, has this application grid that he uses in his own sermon application, and I've found that kind of thing helpful. And there's other things I've heard of where you're, you've got this grid of, th these are the points I'm teaching from this passage, and then different categories of people who need to hear this and will be hearing what you're teaching, just helping you to think maybe a little more outside the box and not always maybe the low-hanging fruit. And so I, I think those are the two that rise to the surface for me. But what do you think? Yeah, so that's a great point. Uh, I think definitely we need to address it in some way. And we talked about some statistics early, but I saved one for the end. Uh, another statistic I saw is uh, about half of all evangelicals are, believe that mar smoking marijuana is completely morally fine. And that number goes significantly up uh, when you're looking at teen evangelicals. So that, to me, definitively tells me we need to address this far more than we do. Uh, and I think for myself, just like you mentioned, you know, when we bring up application, we teach the text, like be sober-minded, uh, we know, when, uh, intoxication text. I think we need to bring this up in application uh, because it's our culture. You know, just in the same way that I think generally. You know, in our culture, when we talk about application of those texts, we're not speaking of the kind of watered down wine that they had at the time, but we speak about, you know, we might speak about, you know, getting drunk on Miller Lite or whatever, <laughs> or Bud Light or whatever. That, I mean, it often happens, but in the same way, probably you should also navigate this specific issue and application on those texts more. Uh, I think this may be, in certain contexts, worth a special series, probably not right now in my context. Uh, but not, I would not say that's a good idea to have that special series for those who were before junior high in most cases, you know, I, I don't think it's probably a great idea to have the kindergarten class, uh, watch a Cheech and Chong movie and then have a discussion about <laughs> it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I would agree there. And now, uh, the last question is, should we focus most of our energy in this kind of issue on making sure that it's illegal? Should that be our main th- focus as evangelicals on marijuana? Um, absolutely. I mean, raw legal power is always the best way to change hearts. Um, <laughs> I, you know, prohibition shows us that. Uh no, but I would say that that doesn't mean that no energy should be spent on it. I, I personally don't think it's something that should be legalized, though that's I think that's an issue of conscience and wisdom. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's not something I'm going to vote. If, I, if there was some kind of referendum, I would not vote to have it legalized. But I wouldn't put that on someone else's conscience necessarily, uh, though I may try to help them see the wisdom of, of my perspective. But more importantly, I think our effort needs needs to put in our homes and in our churches on teaching and training hearts and consciences and and helping to form the kind of people uh, to which marijuana isn't so appealing. I mean, it's kind of like with sexual immorality. Uh, I mean, I, I think it would be good if pornography was illegal, but I think it's we need to spend much more time on on uh, teaching people and helping them to develop the kind of heart that they look at sexual immorality and they are repulsed by it and they want to flee from it. But I think it would be a good thing for women and for our society if pornography was not so easily accessible. Yeah, that's a good perspective. So I think a comparison. And yeah, it reminded me even, I think we had a recent podcast we talked about uh, gambling and uh, I've really come to think that yeah, I uh, that I rarely talk about my, my personal political uh, things, uh, especially because of, you know, I don't want to ever say that's a Christian responsibility. But I personally would, you know, if there was a referendum on a state to ban the, the state lotto, I would definitively vote for, uh, to ban it. That being said, I realize that that's not going to happen. Uh, and uh, that the case for this issue, the Christian uh, case for it, is not going to win the day in our nation. Uh, and I think with marijuana, that's the same case. Uh, I am it's all but certain that this will in some sense be legalized nationwide, especially when you see the stats of how accepted this is. To me, it would be surprising if within 10 years of this podcast coming out, every single state in our country does not have some form of legalized marijuana usage. Uh, And so it is a bit silly to make our main thrust be voting on that issue. Instead, we need to focus on the problem that has led to us to accept it more than that. And I think that we as Christians need to even more than just even focus on how we can help our kids navigate this. We need to focus on what wrong theology has led us to think that it's okay to do things that just don't hurt other people uh, like we've talked about. Yeah, that's good. So anyway, well, it was a good discussion, Ben, and uh, the uh, I think probably a good time to take a break between podcasts and maybe get our snackage on before having another discussion. But I hope that uh, parents and children's and youth ministry leaders have been blessed by this discussion, because I know I have. Yeah, yes. Thanks for raising this. And take it easy on those Funyuns. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.